0: You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today, we'll be discussing flowable composites and their applications in restorative dentistry. Our guest is Dr. John Flukey, a general dentist in private practice in Lee's Summit, Missouri. He lectures extensively on all aspects of clinical dentistry and has been featured at every major dental meeting in the U.S. and internationally. Dr. Fluky uses technology in every aspect of his practice and pushes his office to be on the leading edge. Dr. Fluky, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks, Phil.
1: It's it's great to be here. It's always fun.
0: Yeah. I know how busy your schedule is as many of our KOLs that we talk to and uh, to take this Friday to talk with us is much appreciated. So our topic today is flowables. And, um, let me begin with a, a pretty simple question. Maybe it's not that simple. You know, you think about dental materials in the dental office and many of the materials are mission specific, so to speak. They're focusing on one application. Do flowable composites in general fall into this category?
1: You know, actually, no. Um, and it is funny because you do think of, you know, different materials being, you know, something that you only use in, in one specific application. Um but a friend of mine once said, and I thought this was a, a great a great idea and I, I wish I would have thought of it, but I, I can't steal credit for it, was he told me one time, flowable is like the duct tape of dentistry. And it really is true. You can use flowable composites, you know, for so many things. This week, I'll uh, give you an example. This week, I was doing a cosmetic case. And we got done fabricating the temporaries, and as we were polishing them, uh, there was a little void in uh, the material. You know, as we were polishing, and all of a sudden, number nine, there's, you know, there's, there's a little bubble that's it's broken through, and now we've got this divot. And in the old days, you would say, well, I guess we'll have to try and dab a little bit of extra material in there, and then smooth that up, or maybe start from scratch, and. I just said, Amy, the flowable. We had a flowable that matched to the shade of, you know, the materials. Put that in there, light cure it, bingo. You know, it's it's ready to go. Um, Patching margins on uh, different restorations is uh, really simple and really easy to do. Obviously, you can use it, you know, for small applications. You can use it as a, a liner under things. I mean, some people even use flowable composite. Uh, to loot on veneers. So it's just got tons of applications.
0: For the right case, can we use flowables as a definitive final restoration?
1: Absolutely. Now, I will say this, the the way I hedge that question is to say with the right flowable, you can use it for a definitive restoration. And that's because some flowables um, wear more than others. Some don't polish as well. Uh, You know, some of them have a a fairly high percentage of shrinkage, which can affect things. And so you need to take all of that into account. But if you can find the right flowable composite, um, you can use it in almost any application in the mouth, whether it be, you know, an an occlusal or, or, you know, a a pit, or even to do something like I was talking about with the temporary, a little divot in an interior, whatever. But then you can also use it for small class twos, and it's a a great concept to use in pediatric dentistry because it's pretty easy to place. It allows you to work quickly, and those are, you know, always small restorations. Using them in class threes in the anterior, I I would say probably in my practice, 3% or more, of my interior class threes are now done with flowable because we can make them you know small conservative and then you know we can put it in there so easily and for things like uh, you know class fours and class fives where they might be showing in the smile line and you need to make sure that you know you've got a high degree of polish and and all that um, you can use flowables for that as well because they polish really well. Obviously, they're, they're aesthetic. You can get a, a great shine. And it allows you just to keep your preps as, as small as you'd
0: like. So for minimally invasive dentistry, obviously, it's a fantastic application. But we, we've been talking about this offline Grandioso Flow by Voco. I know it's a very popular flowable. Yeah, it's quite a popular flowable among dental clinicians. I know you like the product. This particular flowable has filler content of over 80%. Why is that important?
1: Well, before on a, on a question, when I said I was going to kind of hedge my, my answer and say that you can use flowable for a definitive restoration. And that's kind of where I was hedging myself on is the right material. And Grandioso Flow is, it, it's just a fantastic flowable material. One of the best things about it is that high filler content of over 80%. A lot of flowables out there are around 50% filler content. That can lead to problems if you're using it in lots of applications. And for sure, if you're using it as a definitive restoration. But let me try and explain that a little bit. The way that I try and explain flowables to people is if you think of a glass of water and then you add Uh, you know small rocks to it pebbles or or gravel and on a flowable composite your resin is the runny part so resin is like the water and your filler particles are the gravel so if you think about it when you cure a composite composite shrinks uh, you know and it depends on a lot of factors how much it shrinks but all composites shrink some and A lot of what can determine that is that high filler particle content because when you cure the material and the liquid begins to shrink, what happens is it bumps up against the rocks and the rocks bump up against each other and that helps control the shrinkage. So from that standpoint, the higher your filler content, the less and more controlled shrinkage you'll get particles are also really important to use as a definitive restoration. So if you have a material that is 50% resin and 50% particle, that resin wears a lot faster and a lot more aggressively than the filler will. And so if you were to use this in a definitive restoration and especially Uh, in a restoration that's going to bear some type of the occlusal load, um, you're going to get a lot more wear on your normal flowable composites than you would with grandioso flow, simply because it's got that incredibly high filler content, and that filler content makes it resistant to the idea of occlusal wear. Um, the, The filler particles also... Uh, work towards the aesthetic part of it because the filler content is going to let you polish a lot better if the particles are smaller and in grandioso flow they are. So you've got this, you know, incredibly aesthetic ability to polish, you've got the low degree of shrinkage, and then you also have the fact that it's a lot more resistant to wear over time, it, it makes it a great product.
0: So with all that filler in there, I mean 80% or precisely, I think on their website, it's 81%, doesn't that impede the flowability?
1: Actually, no, they, they've done some amazing things with their material. In fact, they even make it in, in two uh, different varieties. They make Grandioso Flow and then Grandioso so Heavy Flow. And the Heavy Flow is actually thicker and more viscous one of my complaints about flowables for some is that they can be too runny sometimes and depending on what you're doing with them you know when you've got the patient reclined and you're working against gravity oftentimes you can put a flowable material into a prep and it starts to for lack of a better description it starts to roll downhill or run downhill and what you end up doing is uh, the material from the mesial aspect will flow downhill into you know the distal aspect of even a, a class one prep, for instance. And it's hard to control. Um, with Grandioso, they've done such a great job of making it flowable, yet not runny, that it stays where you put it. And especially if you're in a situation where you want it thicker and you want to be able to you know, really control where it goes, then the Grandioso so Heavy Flow works even better in that way. But Voco, they've got some great chemical engineers at that company, and they have managed to take materials that are flowable yet still stay where they're supposed to be. So flowable, but not runny, is the secret that I think a lot of us are looking for to solve a lot of problems, and VOCO has done that.
0: So when you talk about flowables, there are companies that make different viscosities. VOCO is one of them. Do other companies also have more than one viscosity on their so-called flowable composite?
1: You know, not that I'm aware of. Now, there may be somebody out there that I haven't heard of that does that. Um, But previously, what I've had to do in these situations is I would have three or four different manufacturer's materials, you know, in my operatory. And depending on once I got into the case, I would pick a flowable frequently based on viscosity because if I've got something that, you know, if I really need something runny to, to coat something over. Um, you can, you know, obviously you'd go with a, with a very flowable composite for that but on times when you're doing things with it and you want it to be really viscous and not move, then I'd I'd grab another one for that. But I like what uh, what Voco has done here with this product of giving you choices. And one of the things I think in dentistry, we, we tend sometimes to want to just pigeonhole things. And, you know, I want to work with one manufacturer. And, I'm not opposed to that, but the thing is, we get locked into the idea of not really giving ourselves as many choices as I think are out there. And if you understand your materials well, you'll find that, you know, just like having a a radio, it's nice to be able to tune it into multiple stations, depending on, you know, what your mood is that day. Um, or or what you're looking for, and I think it's the same way with materials. There are, you know, some materials that wear pretty doggone well, and those you might put into an area where the persons a bruxer, or has a lot of occlusal wear. And there are materials out there, um, you know, that offer aesthetics, and you know that's when you you reach for a really highly aesthetic material. So I like the idea of having choices now. Let me be the first to say you can take that way the other way if you want to and get to the point that you're a jack of all trades and master of none. And I certainly, you know, don't advocate for that position, but I do think giving yourself options is really important considering what we do for a living.
0: So in your classic traditional class two, and you need to get some adaptation down in the box, you're going to use the the grandioso flow. Yes. Not not the heavy flow, right?
1: No, not not the heavy flow. And let me back up and say, if I'm doing a class two, and maybe it's a do, and I want to make sure that when I go down into the box and I put the material, you know, against the pulpal wall and then on the floor, and I want to make sure that it's not going to run on down and end up, uh, you know, creating kind of a snowdrift effect, where I don't have nearly as much material as I want, actually in the box and more on the the external aspect of of the restoration. In that situation, I'll use Grandioso Heavy Flow because I know that material stays right where I put it. And normally what I will do in those situations is I'll take the material, I'll place it you know, where I want it, then I'll come in with an explorer and I'll kind of guide it along and tease it along to uh, you know, put it everywhere that I want. Now, sometimes I get lucky and it goes exactly where I want it to go. And of course it stays, which is the great thing about the, the heavy flow. But if it doesn't, being able to move it with a composite, get it, or I'm sorry, be able to move it with an explorer and then you know, get it where you want it, but it stays there. Uh, That's a tremendous advantage of this product.
0: So when we talk about radio opacity, I know in the old days, and I'm going back a while now, a flowable was kind of like a diluted uh, composite restorative, but now it's much more sophisticated. And back in the old days, there was a problem with radio opacity. So, you know, one patient would switch to another dentist where they would move and whatever, and the x-ray was taken and they'd hold it up and go, oh my God, you've got recurrent decay. What have we done lately with making these flowables radio opaque so that we don't have that issue?
1: That's a great question, and it is a, a huge problem. In fact, I'll I'll tell kind of a funny story. I had a a company that I was uh, working with, and we and they were working on a composite, and they sent me a few cartridges. By the way, this was not Voco, but they sent me some cartridges. And they said, these are all good to go. You know, they've got all the approval they need, everything. Go ahead and, and, you know, take what we've sent you, which wasn't a lot. It was probably enough for like four or five restorations. And they said, place these and let us know what you think. So I had a patient in, did a couple of interproximal restorations on them. And then just by luck of the draw, next week, that patient came back for a recare appointment and the hygienist takes the bite wings and she comes to me and she says, those two fillings that you did fell out. And I, was like, what? <laughs> and I look at the, at the bite wings and sure enough, there's, there's no restorations there. So I go in to do the check. No, the restorations were there. And I called the company and I said, this stuff doesn't show up on an x-ray. And they said, Oh my gosh, we forgot to add the radio pacifiers to that little custom mix that we put together for you. And Patients still in my practice, I still see those restorations. And every time, you know, I think, oh, oh no, wait a minute. I know, I know who this is. I know what this is. And that's kind of what we were dealing with with materials um, for quite a while. Was that flowables were not radiopaque. And so you'd lay a, a layer of flowable down in a proximal box. Like you said, Phil. And you know, and then the patient leaves, uh, gets transferred or whatever, ends up in another city, in another doctor's office. And they look and they say, well, you've got, you know, five cavities. And the patient says, I just had those filled six months ago. And the doctor says, well, I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is I can look at the x-rays and you can too. And look, you see that dark spot. And in reality, what we were dealing with was a flowable composite that just wasn't very radiopaque. So the restorations were actually fine, but they looked bad. And that can be a huge problem. Obviously, nobody wants to leave decay behind. Nobody wants to, you know, have a new patient come into their practice, take a bite wing, look and go, well, it's either decay Or maybe it's something else, but we'll just watch that for six or eight months. And then they come back. And if you, you know, you made the wrong call, now they've got worse problems. Nobody wants to do that. So what we ended up doing a lot of times is people would take the restorations out, then find out there wasn't, you know, advanced caries and, you know, they'd refill them. And the tooth's undergoing more trauma. You know, the patient's undergoing the stress of more dentistry. Um, and, and with all that goes to it, so having a material that is highly radio opaque really makes a difference. Whether you're using it as a, a liner or a base material for your composites, um, whether you use it in the proximal boxes to you know prevent rest or prevent sensitivity for your restorations, or even using it as the definitive restoration, you want to make sure that that you know shows up on your radiographs, and having materials like Grandioso Flow that are so radio-opaque, it makes a tremendous difference in in looking at things. And I I do want to touch this for a second, Phil, on the idea, too, of putting Flowable down as a liner because a lot of people do that. I don't do it all the time, but I do do it. And if you have a material that doesn't have that radio-opacity, you put that down, and then you put your definitive uh restoration on top of it. The same thing can happen when they, you know, either they go to another office or, or whatever, and suddenly under a nice restoration, it looks like a bunch of decay has either somehow leaked under the restoration or Carrie's was left behind at the restorative appointment. And so having the radio opacity be very high eliminates all of those problems, saves the patient the trauma of more dentistry and, and also saves their, you know, their money, that they're not paying to replace things that don't need to be replaced.
0: Yeah. I mean as a retired endodontist, we used to take x-rays obviously before, during, and after uh, root canal. And afterwards, you know, we would check our obturation. I don't know if general dentists do that, or at least in the past did that with flowables. And doing a you know a multi composite approach, putting the liner in first, following up by the composite, and then s- s- making a note in the chart saying, "Okay, I know I filled that thing tight as a drum. There's no void there. There's no recurrent decay, even though it shows some radio lucency." And then they know going forward that they don't have anything to worry about. Do you guys take post ops? Probably not, right?
1: Yeah, I don't. We yeah. take um, when when we're doing fixed we'll go in and and take a pre-cementation x-ray to make sure that, you know, like the interproximal margins are closed and and such. But I don't routinely uh, take a a post-op bite wing on restorative work.
0: Right. Um, Usually when
1: things like that show up, they show up at at a re-care appointment.
0: Right. It it seems like that might not be a terrible idea. I mean, only from my viewpoint of the lower dose of radiation that we're now being exposed to using digital radiography. So the the dose is, a don't know, 10% 10% of what a regular x-ray was in the past. Now, are there different levels of radio opacity? Is one flowable more radio than another, or they're basically all the same now?
1: That does vary. Um, some companies uh, don't add as much radio pacifiers. I don't know of one currently that is completely radiolucent. I think they've all got radio pacifiers in them now. But some of them uh, you know, show up white, but not incredibly white. And then you got things um, like Voco's products that show up and, and you can really tell with those. And, you know, you may be onto something with the post-treatment bite wing. Maybe that's something that we should start taking a look at more in dentistry. I mean, it's it's definitely not over uh, overkill to do it. And you're certainly not giving them, like you said, too much radiation when you think of, you know, the ability to do it with digital and really It probably takes you maybe 60 seconds of an appointment to set the patient up, have the the dental assistant really quickly snap a bite wing. It's definitely not outside the realm of possibility.
0: So let me ask you this. If you're sitting down with a group of dentists right now, and I said, Dr. Flukey, what would you say to these young dental professionals about delivering the material? Is there a best way to clinically deliver these flowable materials to the tooth?
1: I want to mention one more thing before I answer that question, and this kind of goes with this a little bit, but good chart notes. Uh, I'm also peer review chairman for the state of Missouri, and so when a peer review case uh, you know, comes through, I'm the first one that sees it, and I'm always amazed at how often patients, you know, the note will say DO number two composite or something along those lines, and Or DO composite, number two. And you don't really have any idea of the type of materials that were used or or the steps. And so being thorough in your note taking, I think, really helps things. Because if you do run into a situation where something isn't as radio opaque as maybe you thought it was or whatever, you can check your notes and see what did I use in this case and, you know, should I continue to use that? Now, on to your delivery question, there's two types of delivery systems for flowables nowadays. There's the syringe, and then there's the traditional compule. I like, again, our choices. I love having choices. So what I would tell young dentists that are looking for, you know, what's the best way to to deliver this? I think the best way to deliver it would be the way that you as the doctor feel the most comfortable with. So with grandioso flow, they they sell it in the traditional copules with a, a metal cannula, and then they also sell it in a syringe. And the metal cannulas you can bend and kind of curve around uh, you know the handle of your mirror, and being able to do that case by case lets you put the material once again right where you need it. And there may be instances where you want the control that comes from our composite gun. Maybe you're doing an anterior case, you're doing some class fives in the cosmetic zone. And being able to squeeze that little dispenser gun very precisely extrude the amount of material you want is sometimes easier than trying to control your thumb pressure on the plunger of a syringe. But at other times, when you're in the, the posterior of the mouth, sometimes those syringes are a godsend because they're much smaller and the material is much easier to deliver in the posterior because you can now express it and then tease it where you want to go. So I'm a big fan of choices, and I oftentimes don't really know which delivery system I'm going to use until I actually start the restorative process because it depends on a lot of factors. It depends on how the prep turned out. It depends on you know, how good is my isolation. It, it depends on how cooperative is my patient or does the patient have just an anatomically small mouth where you're not gonna be able to take that composite gun and get back in the posterior. So there's a lot of factors and I think giving yourself choices and options in those kind of situations is key to long-term success the restoration
0: so you inventory both the compules and the syringes then obviously
1: yes absolutely
0: okay um to wrap up this podcast which has been very very good a lot of incredible clinical information in here dr Flukey, we appreciate all your insight how have dental materials specifically flowable since that's what this podcast is about how has it changed the concept of minimally invasive dentistry
1: you know I firmly believe that minimally invasive dentistry wouldn't have the place in our profession that it does today were it not for flowable composites. You know, we never even thought about minimally invasive dentistry in a world where they placed amalgams. You just, you needed to have, you know, that bulk of material to resist fracture. And so you ended up sacrificing the tooth to accommodate the material. Well, now it, it's almost to the point of kind of a, a Zen philosophy of the tooth tells me how it wants to be treated. Being able to make really small preparations, remove just the amount of tooth structure that needs to be removed, and then being able to, you know, replacing tooth structure with high quality, strong, flowable composite that's, that's kind of the, the bread and butter of minimally invasive work. And then when you think about, too, when you've got a really nice flowable that you can count on to wear like the natural dentition, to not you know dish out quickly or those kind of things, then you can do the situations where uh, you've, you've got tooth number 19, for instance, and you do uh, a distal pit on that one. Well, you have a couple of choices. You can just do the distal pit prep, restore the distal pit, but that does leave the rest of the occlusal surface susceptible to decay, or you can restore with a flowable and then etch and bond the rest of the enamel into those pits and fissures and grooves that aren't curious yet and use a strong flowable that works as a sealant. And so you've restored the area of decay, but you've also protected the areas that, you know, that weren't having decay. And, you know, that can last a very long time if you've got something like Grandioso Flow that that wears so well. You've got basically a restorative option and a preventive resin restoration option, a PRR, so that you're getting the best of both worlds when you're doing minimally invasive dentistry.
0: Yeah, that's a really good concept. As an endodontist, especially, its tooth structure was so sacred uh, as it is today. Yes. When, I, when I practiced, we needed to make certain access preps to get in there and do the root canal properly, but we still maintained as much tooth structure as possible, and I'm glad the restorative dentists of today are still doing that. Minimally invasive dentistry, I think, is getting more and more popular. As you say, the materials are becoming more advanced, and you can use this this hybrid approach of using different materials, even on the same tooth for the same kind of preparation, one being preventive and one being more on the restorative side. So that's really great stuff to hear that dentists are teaching that and, and they're doing that in their offices. Dr. flukey have a great weekend and thank you very much.
1: Phil, it is always a pleasure to, to speak with you. And i I just hope that if anybody listens and they, they picked up one little nugget that they can you know take into their office and use and, and help their patients, that makes it all worthwhile in my book.
0: Absolutely. And, and by the way, we are getting lots of listens. We're getting over 30 to 40,000 listens per month on Viva Learning, just on the Viva Learning Ouch. site. Yeah, not, not including the big platforms like Stitcher and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, just on Viva Learning alone, we're reaching forty thousand listens, unique listens per month on the podcast program, and it continues to grow. So, you're a lot of people are going to be listening to what the nuggets of information that you just included today. Thanks again, so much. Thank you, and
1: congratulations.